Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. This is an exciting day, very exciting day. For some of you, you're like, why is this so exciting? Well, today is revealing the dream. We've been leading up to this for not just a few weeks or months. We've been leading up to this day for years. And uh, we're excited about it. We're excited about what God is doing here. And, and, and I want to say this to everybody in this room. What a privilege it is to represent the kingdom of God through this local church. Think about it. What a privilege, what an honor it is that we get to represent the kingdom of God and just a small part of what God is doing on this earth. We get to represent the kingdom of God through this local church. And God has allowed us through the years to do some amazing things. And I want to share a few of those things with you before we reveal the dream. Over the past seven years, and this is just over the past seven years, and, and, and the reason it's seven and not eight and a half years like the length of our church life, um, the reason it's seven years is because seven years ago we switched over to a, a new system and it made things easier for us to track. And so I'm just going to share the numbers from the past seven years, and seven is a sign of completion anyway, and so we might as well just, just start there. But over the past seven years, through local benevolence giving, we have given over $17,500 helping local families with food, utilities, and various needs, even including a few funeral expenses. $17,500 given to local benevolence giving. Would you give God a hand clap for that? That's huge. To local charity sponsorships, we have given $7,700, and that does not include the thousands of dollars that we have spent to support local schools and sports, and sports programs in Alachua, Gilchrist, and Levy counties. Over $7,700, not including that, what we have given to schools. Um, this is a number that I actually want to see us increase, but we have given to new church plants about $2,188. And that's something that I believe that we want to increase because there were churches and individuals that sowed into us when we were a church plant. And so I believe we need to increase that number, but we've over almost $2,200 that we've given to new church plants, helping them with equipment and things like that. Over the past seven years, through community outreach events, we have spent $38,668 on things like Family Fest and our Easter extravaganza, just giving to our community and serving them. To reach children through Vacation Bible School, we have given almost $33,000 over the past seven years. Amen. Amen. We have raised some significant funds to send workers on mission trips, going to Guatemala and working at Casa Shalom Orphanage. We've raised right at $62,496 to send people to the mission field. But we've also sent money to the mission field without a team, just saying, hey, we believe in your ministry, we believe in what you're doing, and it has been all over the world. We have sent over $130,000. And recently, amen. 
And recently, recently we raised over $25,000 to build a chapel at the orphanage that we support in Guatemala. God has blessed us. God has blessed us to do some amazing things. We have blessed thousands of people through various forms of serving and various forms of giving. And I know, I know as the shepherd of this flock, I know that God wants to bless us with a permanent place for us to finally call home. I don't believe this cafeteria known as the Panther Palace is our permanent home. It has served its purpose, but I just don't believe that when God finally looks at us and says, welcome home, I don't believe this is it, okay? I just don't believe it. I'm not buying that. I believe God has great plans for us. And as of last week, we have raised $341,000 for our new church building. $341,000. Now, now our goal... Our goal has been to raise 500000 before we break ground. That's our goal. We understand that that will not build the building, but we do realize that is a large chunk of it. We know that the cost is probably going to be somewhere around $2.5 million to build what we need on that property. And that's for us to build what we need, not what we want. I... I uh, I realized, man, that when we first started off, that this dream, it felt so distant. For some of you, very few of you that were here when we first started raising money for this, it felt like it was so far away when we took up that first offering to kickstart our building fund. And then slowly, just through people being faithful and, and giving on the first Sunday of each month towards our building fund, it has continued to grow it was a distant dream, but now we are starting to get close to it. Because sitting at $341,000, it's like we're not that far away. It's not that far off. And so the administrative council and I, we wanted to see it more clearly. We were, we were tired of talking about it. We were tired of closing our eyes and imagining what this thing is going to look like. And so uh, they voted 100% to go ahead and go into contract last September with an architect. And we began exploring our space needs, the, the areas that we needed to make this thing happen. And through a number of design meetings, we now have a glimpse of what our future home is going to look like. We have an idea of what that building is going to look like sitting on that property. Church, do you want to see what it looks like? Do you want to see the dream today? You want to see what it looks like on that property? All right. Go ahead, Robert. Listen, listen, before you start sending me emails and all that and saying, Pastor, you know, there wasn't a fence around that playground, okay? Listen, there's a lot of things that it did not have, okay, that it will have. But that's just a glimpse. We get to fly around. We got to fly around that building and see what it's going to look like sitting on the property. And actually, this image, it's up on the screen behind me right now. That's a better rendering of, of what it's actually going to look like sitting in the position on that property of where it's going to be sitting. It's going to be amazing. 
It's absolutely going to be amazing. And, and, and as the administrative council and the staff begin to, to, to pass out some, some brochures for you to look at, I want to talk to you about this building. We have went through so many meetings. Um, Pastor Andrew and I have been very heavily involved with the architect and, and talking with them uh, and, and the builder and just trying to, to flush out all the, the kinks and everything else. And there's a few things that we'll be changing with this. Um, we've had to, to trim back some square footage because the building just, just blew up. It got too big. And uh, for cost purposes, we had to trim some things back. So there's a few rooms that are changing size a little bit. But, man, that gives you a good understanding of what that building looks like. And if you look in, in that pamphlet, if you look on the bottom, um, you will see on the inside bottom, you will see a floor plan. And if you walk through the front doors of that floor plan, I just want to give you a, a a glimpse in your mind's eye of what it kind of looks like as you walk into that front foyer. As you walk into that front foyer on your left-hand side, there are glass garage doors inside. Three, three glass garage doors. It may change a little bit, but as of right now, there's three glass garage doors. And on Sunday mornings, those glass garage doors to your left as you walk in, they will be raised. They will be up. And that will cause that foyer to flow right into a coffee shop. It will be a great landing place for us uh, as, as we have people flowing in and out of two services. And let me talk to you about that. You're going to see that the sanctuary seats 450 people. We're running between our two services right now. We're running about 420, 425, something like that on any given Sunday. Um, uh, it, it, Easter, it blew up, man. We had, you know, 680 something. I don't know. It was huge. So some of you might be wondering, are we building too small? No, let me tell you, we will always do at least two services here. It's something that uh, your pastor doesn't mind preaching two services. I love preaching two services. And to be honest, those of you that show up for second service, the band has already worked out a lot of the stuff. And so you, you get the better rendition of it, okay? And so we will always at least do two services here. And with our children's department and what we could seat in the sanctuary, we could easily run 900 to 1,000 people comfortably with two services in that building. Man, that is awesome. That is something great. We didn't want to build something that was so huge that it's going to take us forever to pay off. That's not what we wanted. We wanted to make it functional for now and affordable for now. And so you walk into that building, and on the left-hand side, you see those three glass garage doors raised on Sunday mornings to create that big fellowship space. On Wednesday nights, those glass garage doors will be down, and that becomes our youth room. That space is utilized for not just fellowship area on Sundays, but on, on Wednesday nights, it becomes our youth room, and there's actually a stage built in that room. As you continue walking down the hall through that front uh, entrance, on the right-hand side is, is the children's wing. There is one central location where parents will take children of all ages. So some of you parents that have to check your children in in the teacher's lounge uh, for the nursery, and then you have to go across the street for children's church. Man, you guys are so faithful. You're making it happen. We do our best to provide great security and, and you know, two golf carts that are running everybody back and forth. We, we, we try, and you are so, so great. You're so patient with all that. But you're going to be able to walk down that hallway with all of your children on a Sunday morning, walk up to one desk, check all of your children in, and workers will be able to take them to their assigned classrooms back behind that security checkpoint. It is going to be a great, great building for us. And as you continue going into that, down that hallway towards the sanctuary, you will see that much like a movie theater has a landing area, there's two sets of doors. That way, people don't just barge right in through the door and they're in the service. It gives them a moment to 
get children quiet. And plus, if you've ever been a guest in a church and you just walk in and you're right in the sanctuary, man, they will be able to enter in through that, that first set of doors. They'll hear the music. It will acclimate them a little bit more because there's nothing worse than walking in and that drummer that plays too loud, too loud is right in your face. Talking to you, David. Talking to you, man. No, no. Now, you know what it's like when you walk in and it's just culture shock all of a sudden. This is going to give them that landing area, much like you would see at a movie theater. And so there's a lot of hard work, a lot of detail that has gone into this. Like I said, it's going to change some, but that gives you a good idea of what we are looking at. It, it will also have our, our staff offices there, and, and you'll be able to see it. And I know that's a small, small floor plan there, but in the back of the room, there are two larger um, uh, pictures that you can walk up to and you can can actually see what rooms are what and all that good stuff. You can read it better on those. And we'll be putting some stuff online so that you can see it also. But we wanted to put this pamphlet in your hands today so that you can take that home with you and you can put it on your refrigerator or you can put it on your coffee table and help us to keep praying. Keep praying for God's direction. There's a few little tweaks here and there that still need to be made. Help pray that God is going to direct us to make all of those little tweaks so that when we finally move into that building, it is exactly what we need. Not necessarily what what we want, it is what we need. We believe that eventually we might have to move to a phase two and build a family life center with a, maybe a gymnasium and a youth room in there. But for right now, that building will get us out on that property and every area of ministry will be accommodated on that property. Amen? Amen. Amen. That gives you multiple views of the exterior and a basic floor plan. Inside of that pamphlet, inside of that brochure in your hands, there is a commitment card. There is also a giving guide printed that will help you see what you would need to give each month to reach your goal. And so you have a commitment card that looks like this, and then on the bottom corner is your giving guide. We've made it very simple for you. We do not want you to have to stress over it. Um, and so you can look at that and see, okay, if I give this much each month, I can reach my goal. Now next Sunday, let me talk to you about these commitment cards. I'm almost done with this, I promise you. Next Sunday, we're asking that you bring these commitment cards back completed and tell us what you would like to be able to give over the next two years. For some of you, it's going to be a step of faith. It, it is. You're going to write down a number on there and say, this is what I'm praying and hoping I will be able to give over the next two years. There is nothing that is legally binding to this, so I don't want you to think that. We're trying to get an idea of where God's people are at in this process and how we're going to get there within the next two years. And honestly, I don't believe it's going to take two years, but you do realize if we broke ground tomorrow, it's about a nine and a half to 10 month process to build that building. And so we, we are believing that sometime within the next two years, we're going to be able to break ground, but we're needing you to make a commitment to this project. And, and so next Sunday, we're going to ask that you bring these cards back. And when we receive our dream offering, we're going to take up a special dream offering. It's a dream seed offering. And, and we just believe that God is going to bless this church next Sunday as he always has. Now listen, after focusing on missions giving, for nine months out of the past 16 months. Think about that. We always give the first quarter of our year to missions and not our building fund. We tell you, don't focus on our building fund, focus on our missions giving. Then your pastor takes a team to Guatemala, God touches our hearts, and we decide last August that we are going to start raising $25,000 to complete a, a, a chapel that they don't have enough money to finish. And so we turn all of our attention to that and we put our building fund on hold. 
And so nine out of the past 16 months, we have focused on missions giving. Wouldn't it be great next Sunday to kick off our 2015 building fund giving with a great offering next Sunday and commitments that can help make this dream become a reality? And so that's what we're asking you to do. Take this card home. Take the brochure home. You don't have to bring the brochure back. Bring the card back, the commitment card back, and, 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 and with, with an offering. And let's just believe that God is going to do something. And, and, you know, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying, God, stretch us. Stretch us. Give us a number that will stress us, stretch us, not stress us, but stretch us over the next two years as we give towards this, this project. Now, Please, everybody listen close to me because I've lost some of you already, and, and I understand. Anytime a pastor starts talking about money, it, it, some people, they, they, you know, you've been hurt or maybe you, the trust that's, just isn't there. So let me talk to you about that really quick. I want you to remember that we recognize that not everyone can give or even commit to give the same amount. Okay? That is not what this is about. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. And so it's, it's sacrificial for, for different people in different ways. Just pray and follow God's direction is all that I ask. But, but just don't do anything. Pray. Pray. Pray what God would have you or your family give. But don't feel any pressure from us. I, I, I have come to realize that if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And God is going to provide when he wants to provide for this church. And if he wants to, you know, prompt the hearts of people to make this happen, I believe that it is going to happen. Uh, I know that we need a place that our children will want to get married in. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about where your children are going to get married in? I do. I think about that. I, I, I mean, I'm not rushing them by any means, but, but I think about that. Where are my kids going to get married in? Just last weekend, we had a wedding over at the old sanctuary over there. And, and during our premarital counseling, I felt sorry for, for Tim and Kay because I knew they wanted to invite the whole church. They know so many people in this church. But space was limited. Space was limited. And so only about a quarter of the people in this church were, were, were able to be invited because we just couldn't get everybody in that room. I don't want that to be an issue. I don't want that to be a problem for us in the future. I want a sacred environment for people to say their wedding vows in front of God and in front of witnesses. And I believe it's up to us to make that happen. We need a place that we can honor the lives of saints that pass from this life. Right now, when someone passes away, when we have to have a funeral service, we have to go to one of the local funeral homes. And they're not near big enough many times for us to house the number of people that need to be there to honor that person's life. We need somewhere like that. Now, but listen to me. Please listen close. On an exciting day like today, I believe that we must be careful. I believe that. I believe that we've got to, to, to take careful steps with this because we have been portable for so many years. We long for a permanent building. We need it. There's some people on our setup and teardown team, if they had an extra million dollars, they would write the check today because they're just sick and tired of setting up and tearing down. These are faithful people that make church happen every week. Their job is as important or more important than me getting up here and preaching the gospel because of their faithfulness to make this happen. And so I know, I know, know that we are anxious for this and we long for a permanent building and I believe that God wants to bless this church with a home I, I think he looks at us and sees what we have done in this community and surrounding communities and I believe that God wants to bless us with a home but never 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 should we want to focus more on the barn and forget about the harvest that will be brought into the barn 
We need to continue to focus on people and souls that need Jesus Christ and need to be discipled. I want us to always focus on souls more than we focus on structure, on building relationships more than building buildings. And, and, and so I know that this is some exciting, exciting stuff in your hands right now. And I know that some of you are just looking at it and I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put it away. I want you just to put it away. Put it in your purse, under your chair, put it in the back of your Bible. I, I don't care where it goes, but I want you to put it away for a few moments because I need you to give me the opportunity to teach you God's word today. Uh, Matthew 25 and 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That means everything that we build has the potential to pass away. We, we see this on the news right now. Devastation happens through earthquakes and different natural disasters that take place. Any building that we build, it could be demolished the next day. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the promise that we have is God's word will not pass away. If you want something to build a foundation on, whether you are starting a building program, whether you are, are starting a family, whatever it is, this is the foundation for, what, for, for whatever you need for your life. And whatever we do here as a church, this will always be our foundation. And today I want to teach from God's Word. I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And what I'm going to read to you today out of God's Word is about a building project. It is. It's King David. He has just come to the throne. He has just finally the, the prophecy on his life to become king of Israel it has now come to pass. He is the most powerful man in Israel. And so I want us to start reading it. 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 1. It says, Now when the king lived in his house... And the Lord had given him rest from all of his surrounding enemies. The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Just hold your spot there for a moment. And let me talk to you about what we just read. David has just completed the construction of his palace, his house, his place of residence. It's complete now. And he looks out of his window and he sees the tent where the Ark of the Covenant is residing because the Ark of the Covenant has now been brought back into Israel just days before and, and, and back into Jerusalem. And, and now it sits there. And he looks out of his window and he sees this and something is happening. He begins to wonder. Maybe it was conviction. Maybe it was guilt. But a plan begins to formulate in his mind. Why not build a house for God? Why not build a temple? It's an honorable, honorable thing to do when you think about it. And David is sitting there in his palace and he is looking out. And this is the, the mindset that he has. This, these are the thoughts that are racing through his mind. Now, before you get scared, start thinking that I'm about to guilt you into giving towards this project. I want you to rest easy in the fact that what God wants to do in us and through us is not dictated by whether or not we have a permanent home. 
If this church never builds a permanent home, if we never build a building, God will do amazing things through us, whether we're meeting in a middle school or out in the middle of a field. We will never allow the lack of a building and a permanent home to dictate where we are heading. And so for the rest of this sermon, I want you just to kind of forget about our building project. And I know that's not what I'm supposed to do, and the council might fire me tomorrow for, for saying this, but my priority for the next few moments is not our, our building project. It's just not. I believe God is going to speak to hearts. He's going to do some amazing things, and we'll focus on that next week. But I just believe that God is more concerned with building people than he is building structures and, and, and monuments that we could claim that, that look what we did. Look what we did. He's going to. But I just believe God wants to work on people. Building a building would make some things so much easier. But God has done some amazing things in this church in just our eight and a half year existence. We might be portable, but don't forget that God's people were portable for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. Some of you are getting worried right now. I got to set out chairs for another 32 years. <laughs> The presence of God represented in the Ark of the Covenant was portable. Don't miss that. The presence of God was portable. It traveled around through the wilderness in a tent-like structure that was called the tabernacle. Makes you remember that God was accustomed to being on the move. And you know, that's the problem with the church today is that so many times we try and put God in a box. We try and keep God from being portable. And God is always on the move. God is always up to something new in the lives of men and women. We should never get so comfortable with where we're at that we try and, 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 and constrain God and we keep him from doing what he wants to do. God is a God that is portable. He is used to being on the move. And now the presence of God was being housed in a tent in Jerusalem and King David wants to build a permanent structure for it. Let's pick it up at verse 4. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore... Thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all of your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Listen to those words. Please listen to those words. It's fascinating. That the Lord will make you a house. Don't forget, David just built 
his palace. David has a place of residence. He has a place to lay his head down at night. He has somewhere to raise his family. But when David starts talking about building a temple, God kind of puts the brakes on the project. And, and God says, no, it's not you that is going to build this house. It is me. I am going to build not me a house. I'm going to build you a house is what he says. God says, let's stop this thing just for a moment because David, I need you to know who is really in charge. David, I need you to know who is going to design this building and who is going to be in charge of it from the beginning to the end. I, I've used this tactic recently in, in my own life. Mandy's transmission went out on her car a week and a half ago, and, uh, and it's been in the shop. And we are a three-car family with four drivers. We've been that way for almost two years now. That when our kids turned 16, um, they each got a car. Caleb got a truck. Kendall got a car. And Mandy and I decided we were going to share a car since we both work in the same location. And on the days that we need to have, you know, another car, one of us, the kids simply ride to school together. And I'll take Caleb's truck or Mandy will take Kendall's car. And uh, we'll have the family, the other one will have the family car. And it's worked. It's worked so great until this past week and a half because now it's just not as easy as it once was when you have four drivers and two cars it makes a big big difference and so one of the kids said to me the other day and I won't sell them out I won't tell you which one it was but you've got a 50 50 shot at guessing which one one of them looked at me the other day and said dad you can use my car if you like. And that's honorable. That's a great thing for them to say. That's so nice. It's so kind, isn't it? It's wonderful. What great kids we've raised. But it hit me the wrong way. I know that what they meant. But I needed to reassure them. <laughs> Dad, you can use my car if you like. To which I responded, I know. I paid for it, and I pay the insurance on it every month. I know I can use it whenever I want to use it. It was a nice gesture, but I wanted to establish just who was really in charge of the car situation. David had a nice gesture looking out his window, seeing the tent down below that was housing the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. He has a nice gesture. Calls the prophet in, Nathan, and says, hey, we're going to build a temple to house the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God and a place for us to worship. Nathan says, yeah, man, that's on your heart. You might as well do it. And God says, no, 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 no. You need to realize who is really in charge. And I believe it's just at that moment when David probably needed to be corrected the most. Because you know once you have any, any type of success in your life, if you are not focused just right, you will all of a sudden begin thinking that it's all about you. You will think, look what I have done. Look what I have done to get to this place. And you have to think about David's life. Man, just as a shepherd boy, 
he shows up on the battlefield and when every other Hebrew man was scared to death and was not willing to defend their nation or their families, he stands up to a giant and he, he throws a rock with a sling and takes this giant out, goes over, cuts his head off and the nation of Israel is saved. From there, women and children would start saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And then when Saul gets jealous and wants to kill him, David would actually, at, at, at different times, he would be standing in the cave or, where Saul would be and be hiding in that cave. And one time he walked over and actually cut off a piece of his garment while he was sleeping. When Saul and his men left, he comes out on the ledge and says, look what I have in my hand. Look how great I am. I could have killed you last night, but I chose not to. And so when finally Saul is, is, is done and all of his men are gone and now David is appointed to be king, can you imagine what is going through his mind? Men, you know how this feels. We all have egos. Elbow your husband if he's sitting next to you. Tell him, say, you've got an ego. Tell him you need to get over it. Because there's moments in my life where I needed to get past my ego. And trust me, even when you're in a God-ordained opportunity for your life, a position that God placed you in, even when you are in ministry and you begin to experience some kind of success, God will do something in your life to knock you off your high horse because God still wants to be exalted through the whole process. And I can tell you this, in my life at different times when I have felt success in ministry, God has come along and said, no, Rocky, I need to show you who is really in charge in this. You may want to build me a, a building out there on that property, but, but you know what? I'm going to show you how to build this building. God just wants to be in charge of not just a church, but of your life, of your dreams. David just wanted to build a temple for God. God says, that's not going to work. I'm not going to allow you to do this but he doesn't stop there listen when God brings you under correction in your life you better get ready because God does, doesn't correct you just to make you obedient God corrects you to bless you and God speaks through his prophet to David and he says when God establishes his authority, it's going to benefit you, David. You see, God's not on a power trip with your life. He just doesn't want you to trip over his power. He goes on to explain that David was going to establish, or that God was going to establish David's throne forever is what the Bible says. He says that. He says, you've got plans to build a building, but what I'm about to do, David, I am going to establish your throne forever. The Messiah, the Savior of mankind, was going to be born of David's bloodline. 
And David does something that is so neat to me because when he was a shepherd, he was known for sitting out in the, with his flocks and sitting out in the fields with his harp and he would just play beautiful songs and sing beautiful songs, writing the Psalms that are in your Bible, writing many of them and singing these beautiful worship songs to the Lord. And when God brings him under correction here and says, it's not about building my building, it's about what I want to do with your life, the Bible says... And the next section there that, that David just begins to praise because that's what he does. He returns back to his praise. Church, remember this. God's dreams for your life will always be bigger than your dreams for your life. And the problem is some of you have stopped dreaming. You've stopped. You've allowed the enemy to paralyze your thought process and you have stopped dreaming. And God wants to do some amazing things with you. But you think it's all up to you, and you have reached your potential. You cannot go any farther. You cannot do any greater. But I promise you, God's dreams for your life will always be bigger than your dreams for your life. David just wanted to build a structure to house the Ark of the Covenant, but God wanted to build a kingdom that would never end. David wanted to build a monument to heaven, but God wanted to build a ministry to humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You see, you can do everything that you possibly know to do to try and plan your life out. But at the moment when you finally realize you can't do anything else to climb that corporate ladder or to make your life better or to get that, that, that bigger bonus or that blessing, when you finally realize it's not in your hands anymore and you hand those reins over to God, that's when God really starts ordaining your steps and, and causing your purpose to be bigger than what you ever imagined. But the problem is some of you have stopped dreaming. You've allowed the lies of the enemy just to stop you in your tracks. We go through our lives planning and working out the details, and we forget who is really in charge of our lives. We forget about the author and the finisher of our faith, and that is not us. And so forget a building project. We'll deal with that next Sunday. But I believe that today, God wants to establish his authority in some of your lives so that you can dream again. Psalm 37 and 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Every detail. There is not one detail of your life that if you will give it over to him that he will not delight in. The problem is sometimes we have to take some of those steps and we don't delight in some of those steps, but God is working out everything for our good. You need to dream. You need to dream God-sized dreams because you've reached your potential. You've gone as far as you can go, and I know what that feels like. When I was a youth pastor, and I had some success taking a youth program. When I first got to the first church, there, was, there, was, there were 12 students in the church. When we left there, they were averaging about 80. We went down to Tampa, and things were just not happening for us. It just wasn't growing. We were in a church that was much larger, but it just wasn't growing. We, we had about 35 students in our youth ministry. And I'd left a smaller church, but a much larger youth ministry. And so I remember one day I, I pulled over in a McDonald's parking lot. 
It's not far from I-4 and I-75. I remember sitting in that parking lot and just crying. I didn't want to be in Tampa. I thought, what have I done? What have I got my family into? This is not where I want to be. And I was just praying and crying, having a pity party right there. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And, and I know that he may speak to people different ways. I've never heard the audible voice of God. And I'm not saying he doesn't do that. That's not how he speaks to me. He drops things into my spirit. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I'll never, I'll, I'll never doubt this. I never will. Holy Spirit said to me in a very sarcastic way, Congratulations, you can run a youth program of 80. But if you'll get out of the way, I'll grow this youth program. And it was that day, in the middle of my pity party, that I realized I had to hand the reins over to God for my ministry. It was a life-changing moment for me. Matter of fact, if that moment wouldn't have happened, I'm not even sure I would still be in ministry because I was about ready to walk away from it. I was frustrated with so many things. And the Holy Spirit said, congratulations, you can run a youth program of 80. But if you'll get out of the way, I'll grow this youth ministry. And I did. I realized it wasn't all about me. It wasn't all about my dreams. Realized that God had bigger dreams for me anyway. Our youth program exploded. Running about 115, 120 students on Wednesday nights. God was blessing us. That decision to, to let God take the reins of my life and my ministry, it opened the doors for me to do some associate pastor work in that church. Preparing me to one day lead this church and I had no idea what God was doing. This was not one of my dreams. When you, when I think back on my life, when I was young, I never imagined standing up in front of a group like this and being able to be their shepherd and to lead them. But when God took control of my life, when I delighted myself in the Lord, he started putting new desires in my heart. And all of a sudden, in 2004, God started speaking to my life saying, I want you to be a lead pastor. I want you to plant a church. And it took God about two years to prepare me from that moment to get me ready to launch this church. And let me tell you, what's happened over the past eight and a half years, I could not, eight and a half years ago, I couldn't have led this church the way that I'm leading this church today. I wasn't prepared for it. God has been growing me and maturing, but it's God-sized dreams. And let me tell you, if you can accomplish your dream on your own, it's not part of God's plan for your life. God-sized dreams require God's power requires God's blessing. It requires God's presence. The temple would be built. Solomon, his son, would eventually build it. But God said, David, I want to do something in your life that is far greater than building a temple.
What I want to do in your life, it will be remembered far beyond that. That temple one day will be destroyed. But what I'm going to do is establish your throne forever. And the Messiah will come out of your bloodline. A little shepherd boy never dreamed that. But God began to dream it for him. What has the enemy stole from you? There are mysteries that you don't even know of. There are promises that you haven't even seen revealed yet. There's a path that hasn't even been uncovered for you because you've stopped dreaming. And God has so much more for you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.